Hello there, and welcome to Grim Reading, where each episode we read and review a Brothers Grimm tale. My name is Matthew Hughes, and with me on this journey is my co-host, Mr. Adam Field. This week on Grim Reading. Thumbling as Journeyman! So make yourself comfortable and prepare for a... Grim Reading! A certain tailor had a son who happened to be small and no bigger than a thumb. And on this account, he was always called Thumbling. A tailor? He's a tailor, but he was a woodcutter before. Is this a different Thumbling? I'm going to leave that up to you. It's either the Mm, father's changed uh, professions. Because woodcutters often progress to become tailors. (laughs) It's a career path. (laughs) Or it's a different Thumbling. I think it is a different Thumbling. But I like to think it's the same thumb. It's like an alternate universe, like in comic books. It's just a reimagining. Okay, of him in a different location. Okay, thumbling. Okay. He had, however, despite being small, some courage in him. And he said to his father, Father, I must and will go out into the world. That's right, my son, said the old man. And he took a long darning needle and made a knob of sealing wax on it at the candle. And there is a sword for you to take with you on the way. (laughs) Then the little tailor wanted to have one more meal with them, and he hopped into the kitchen to see what his mother had cooked for the last time. It was just dished up, and the dish stood on the hearth. Then he said, Mother, what is there to eat today? See for yourself, said his mother. So Thumbling jumped onto the hearth and peeped into the dish. But as he stretched his neck in too far, <laughs> the steam from the food caught hold of him and carried him up the chimney. Whoa, 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 what? No, whoa, what? I've, that, there's, uh, what's just happened? If where, you're confu- where is his food? If you're confused now, <laughs> you're in so, trouble. He's looking at some food. He's so tiny, he's carried up by steam. He's like, woohoo! And the steam the doesn't chimney. just, but is the food directly below the chimney? Yeah. How is he going up the chimney? He's gone up the chimney, Adam. But the, oh, Just deal with it, mate. Okay. Are they serving the food in the fireplace? What was it? Was it? I think she just put it there to sort of let the steam out. Let the so steam out. So it doesn't out. get condensation on the like, windows. And he stretched his neck in too much. Mm, like, a, like a turtle. <laughs> yeah. And off he goes. And just floating up through the chimney. He rode about in the air on the steam for a while. Until, <laughs> until he got bored. <laughs> until, until at length he sank down to the ground again. I love Thumbling. <laughs> He's so I great. I miss this guy. Oh, me too. Now the little tailor was outside in the wide world. And he travelled about and went to work with a master in his craft. But the food was not good enough for him. <laughs> what? Yeah. Mistress, if you will give us no better food, said Thumbling... I will go away, and early tomorrow morning, I will write with chalk on the door of your house, too many potatoes, too little meat. <laughs> Farewell, Mr. Potato King. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is... I, my brain is melting. What? Right, a word of advice. Mistress, but- I'm going to call you Mr. Potato and write a, a, a withering bit of satire on your door. Too many potatoes, not enough meat, if you know what I mean. <laughs> okay, bye. Farewell, Mr. Potato King. Don't forget Mr. that. Mr. Potato King. Yeah. So, Adam, a word of advice. Yeah. Go with it. Okay. You've got to go with it. I'm struggling. Okay. <laughs> or you, if you're struggling now, I'm just going to be a nervous wreck by the end of this story on the floor. So he's, he's just teased the, the mistress and he said, <laughs> he I'm going to write on the door of your house, 
Too many potatoes, too little meat. Farewell, Mr. Potato King. Presumably scrawled very small near to the bottom of the door. And she doesn't like that. No. You wretched grasshopper, said the, <laughs> said the angry mistress, and seized a dishcloth and was just going to strike him. But my little tailor crept nimbly under a thimble, peeped out from <laughs> beneath it, Whoa. and put his tongue out at the mistress. <laughs> she took up the thimble and wanted to get hold of him, but little thumbling hopped into the cloth. And while the mistress was opening out and looking for him, he got into a crevice in the table. Ho ho, lady mistress, cried he, and thrust his head out. And when she began to strike him, he leapt down into the drawer. At last, however, she caught him and drove him out of the house. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Wow. This book is all over the shop as to how big this guy is. He's as big as a thumb, but he fits under a thimble, but he fits in the crevice of a table. Uh, What? The Little Tailor journeyed... That's his first adventure. Yeah, that was a fun adventure. (laughs) The Little Tailor journeyed on and came to a great forest. Mm -hmm. And there he fell in with a band of robbers who had a design to steal the king's treasure. When they saw the little tailor, they thought, oh, a little fellow like that can creep through a keyhole and serve as picklock to us. Hollow, cried one of them, you giant Goliath, will you go out to the treasure chamber with us? You can slip yourself in and throw out the money. Giant Goliath? Are they being sarcastic? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they basically invited him to uh, join their gang and help them rob the king's treasure. Similar to the previous Thumbling, yeah? Mm. Mm -hmm. Thumbling reflected a while on this. He's thinking, shall I enter a life of crime or just carry on? It's a big decision. And at length he said, yes. Yes. Of course he did. (laughs) And he went with them to the treasure chamber. Then he looked at the doors above and below to see if there were any crack in them. And it was not long before he spied one which was broad enough to let him in. He was therefore able to get in at once... But one of the two sentries who stood before the door observed him and said to the other, What an ugly spider is creeping there. I will kill it. Oh, leave the poor creature alone, said the other. Oh. It's done you no harm. So it's, t- it's turned into a heist movie now, just so yeah. you're, you're aware. He snuck past two guards. Yeah. And they're debating whether to kill this weird looking spider. Exactly, and they left it alone. Yeah. Then Thumbling got safely through the crevice into the treasure chamber and he opened the window beneath which the robbers were standing, and he threw out to them one taller after another. So he's just chucking the money out the window. Mm-hmm. When the little tailor was in the full swing of his work, he heard the king coming to inspect his treasure chamber and crept hastily into a hiding place. The king noticed that several solid tallers were missing, but could not conceive who could have stolen them, for locks and bolts were in good condition and all seemed well guarded. Then he went away again and said to the sentries, Be on the watch, someone is after the money. Thumbling recommenced his labours, and the guards heard the money moving and a sound of clink, clink, clink. They ran swiftly in to seize the thief, but the little tailor who heard them coming was still swifter and leapt into a corner and covered himself with a taller so that nothing could be seen of him. And at the same time, he mocked the sentries and cried, Here I am! The sentries ran over, but as they got there, he had already hopped into another corner under a taller and was crying, Ho ho, here I am! The watchman sprang there in haste, but it, but Thumbling had long ago got into a third corner and was crying, Hoo-hoo, here I am! He's going to run out of corners in a second. <laughs> and thus he made fools of them and drove them so long about the treasure chamber that they were weary and went away. What, they just gave up because they were tired? <laughs> they were chasing a little taller around and they yeah. were like, Knackered. I'm so tired from this. Shall so, we go to bed? So Thumbling carried on throwing the money. And I just abandoned their post. Thumbling just carried on throwing the money out the window. How has he got all the energy? Just, oh, he's Thumbling, man. Oh, cool. he's, he's on top of life. <laughs> and uh, so he's throwing the money out the windows, 
little by little, mm -hmm. and dispatching the last one with all his might, he hopped nimbly upon it and flew down with it through the window. Oh, he's surfing on money! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! The robbers paid him great compliments. You are a valiant... <laughs> Your hair looks nice! <laughs> <laughs> you are a valiant little hero, they said. Will you be our captain? What? They're promoting him to captain. Why do they need a captain? Thumbling, the leader of the gang. <laughs> captain Robber. That's Captain Robber to you. Thumbling, however, declined. Oh. He said he wanted to see the world first. Mm -hmm. They now divided the booty, but the little tailor only asked for a cruiser because he could not carry more. Cruiser? A cruiser, a cruiser. It's, okay. a, uh, it's, a, it's a coin that was in circulation in the southern states of the Holy Roman Empire for several hundred years up until German unification. Ah, okay. Someone Google that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no? What are you saying? What are you talking about? Then he once more buckled on his sword, bade the robbers goodbye, and took to the road. First, he went to work with some masters, but he had no liking for that, and at last he hired himself as servant in an inn. Oh, he's got a servant now. He hired himself as a servant. Oh. He's basically he's a barman. He's working in a pub. Oh, but that's not a good job for him. <laughs> the maids, however, could not endure him, for he saw all they did secretly without their seeing him, and he told their master and mistress when, what they had taken off the plates and carried away out of the cellar for themselves. What? what? So the, the, They're taking scraps off plates? The barmaids are like <laughs> taking the food off the plates. And Thumbling's like... I saw what you did! He's doing a little grass. I'm telling the boss! Yeah, he's grassing them up. And then they said, Wait, and we will pay you off! And arranged with each other to play a trick on Thumbling. Oh. Soon afterwards, when one of the maids was mowing in the garden... Why is the maid mowing in the garden? Saw Thumbling jumping about and creeping up and down the plants. <laughs> Why is he creeping up and <laughs> down the plants? <laughs> Just for fun. He's got so much energy. <laughs> <laughs> she mowed him up quickly with the grass. She mowed him up? That's not a trick. That's murder. <laughs> tied him, tied all in a great cloth and secretly threw it to the cows. Now... <laughs> No, what? just stay with Adam. What? Keep... <laughs> it's gone mental again. Now, amongst them, the cows, there was a great black one who swallowed him down without hurting him. <laughs> That's very considerable. <laughs> down, down below, however, it did not please him, for it was quite dark and there was no candle burning. When the, when the, ca surprise. When the cow was being milked, he cried, Strip, strap, stroll! Will the pail soon be full? But the <laughs> what? what? Strepsil? Will the pail be full? Trip, strap, stroll. Will uh, the pail soon be full? Who's he saying that to? The person He's milking. just screaming in a cow's stomach. <laughs> but the noise this of guy the... is an absolute nut job. But the noise of the milking prevented his being understood. <laughs> understood. There's a loud milking going on there. <laughs> After this. After this, the master of the house came into the barn and said, That cow shall be killed tomorrow. <laughs> then then he just strolled in. Yes, uh, that one's going to be killed tomorrow. <laughs> there's no one else in there. He walked out. No, there's the maid milking. Yeah. Um, what, is she also the slaughterer? Then Thumbling was so alarmed that he cried out in a clear voice, Let me out first, for I'm shut up inside her. The master heard that quite well, but he did not know from where the voice came. Where are you? asked he. In the black one, answered Thumbling. But the master did not understand what that meant and went out. <laughs> like, uh, 
Uh, I don't understand that mysterious voice. <laughs> Bye. Next morning, the cow was killed. Of course. Happily, Thumbling did not meet with one blow at the cutting up and chopping. He got amongst the sausage meat. <laughs> so, what a peculiar... This is just what? insane. He got amongst the sausage meat. So the cow's been butchered. Yeah. Thumbling has avoided it, but they're like, I don't know, they're scraping out the cow. They're doing something. In Making th- beef sausage. Thumbling's ribble. Thumbling's ribble. Thumbling's wriggled into the sausage meat. <laughs> and when the butcher came in and began his work, he cried out with all his might, don't chop too deep. Don't chop too deep. I am amongst it. No one heard this because of the noise of the chopping knife. Now, th- now <laughs> Thumbling was in trouble. But trouble sharpens the wits, and he sprang out so adroitly between the blows that none of them touched him, and he escaped with a whole skin. So it's like it's like an Indiana Jones film. It's, it's like, like a knives ch- coming yeah, down. Yeah, the conveyor belt. Boom, <laughs> yeah. boom, boom, getting closer. Exactly, yeah, exactly. He's yeah. jumping in between woo, them. Woo, yeah. But still, he could not get away. He could only let himself be thrust into a black pudding with the bits of bacon. <laughs> what? My brain's leaking out of my nose. His quarters there were rather confined, and besides that, he was hung up in the chimney to be smoked. And there, <laughs> time did hang terribly heavy on his hands. Okay. Yeah. Okay. In winter, he was taken down again. He's the, been smoked for all that time. For about, I'd say, a minimum of three months, probably Whoa. closer to six. Uh, and he was taken down as the black pudding was to be served to a guest. When the hostess was cutting it in slices, he took care not to stretch his head out too far, lest a bit of it should be cut off his head. At last, he saw his opportunity, cleared a passage for himself, and jumped out. The little tailor, however, would not stay any longer in a house where he fared so badly, so at once set out on his journey again. But his liberty did not last long. In the open country, he met with a fox who snapped him up in a fit of absence. Hello, Mr. Fox, cried the little tailor. It is I who am sticking in your throat. Set me at liberty again. You are right, answered the fox. You are next to nothing to me. But if you will promise me the fowls in your father's yard, I will let you go. With all my heart, replied Thumbling. You shall have all the cocks and hens. That I promise you. Then the fox let him go. So he just, I don't know, spat him back out. And yeah. he even carried him home. Coughed him out. So he carried him home. So he's like, oh, wow. got a ride on the fox's back. When the father once more saw his dear son, he willingly gave the fox all the fowls which he had. For this, I will likewise bring you a handsome bit of money, said Thumbling, and he gave his father the cruiser which he earned on his travels. Oh, yeah. But why did the fox get the poor chickens to eat? Oh, you goose. Your father would surely love his child far more than the fowls in the yard. The end. Adam's just staring at me. Um, I think that story I don't, broke Adam. It did. I don't know what I've just heard. <laughs> so the moral is, um, your dad loves you more than the chickens. Is it? <laughs>
Oh, a moral. I'm not sure you should be looking for a moral in there. <laughs> that was nuts. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, what? what? So, it was kind of everything I was hoping for from Thumbling as Journeyman. Oh, I'm so glad you say that. Me too. Yeah. It was... He got on weird, wacky adventures. Seriously weird, wacky adventures. In fact, I seem to remember last time we, when we heard Thumbling... Yeah. We said, well, I, I said <laughs> that it was wacky, but it didn't go far enough. Uh-huh. If, it, if you're going to go wacky, go wacky. And yeah. to me, this went wacky. It did go wacky. This was out Big there. Big time. Farewell, Mr. Potato King, swallowed by the black cow and the fox. And then he rode on the fox. Then the, the guards chased him around the room. Oh, he jumped out. He sailed on a coin through the air. Yeah. He, he, he got mowed up in a lawnmower by some maids. He got uh, smoked for a very long time smoked, in a chimney. Yeah. How did he I forget that? He floated up on some steam. He floated on some steam. He got smoked in a black pudding with bits of bacon oh, yeah. over the winter or the summer. Why didn't he starve to death? Was he eating the black pudding? I guess he was just gnawing on the black pudding for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds quite nice, a little holiday. <laughs> so, actually, uh, a good, maybe a good way to sort of kickstart your brain, Adam, jumpstart your brain, is there are a lot of similarities... With this story, with the first Thumbling, because we yeah, have already read a Thumbling story mm-hmm. right way back at the beginning. Way back when. Um, and actually, these stories are quite similar. So, like parents with a little kid, kid leaves home, mm-hmm. joins a band of robbers, yeah. gets eaten by a cow, yeah. freaks people out by singing or shouting from inside the cow, yeah. and somehow gets out and makes his way home. Basically, with a fox, with a fox who's wanting to take something. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's up a notch this one. Yeah. Although the last one he got home in a, in a wolf that they had. To oh, was, cut. it was a wolf, wasn't it? That's no, right. But similar. Spoilers, but um, but the, basically the structure of the story is exactly the same. Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting. I thought it would just be a whole other odyssey. Yeah. Well, it kind of. I mean, it kind was, of yeah, was an it odyssey. Was, yeah. But it but but it did follow that that same pattern. I mean, when your journey starts with you floating up out of the chimney on some steam and ends up with you coming home riding a fox, that's a, that's a wild one. What a holiday. <laughs> I mean, as soon as you couldn't quite get your head around the fact that some steam sent him up a yeah. chimney, I thought we were in trouble. Yeah. So if Adam is struggling with that, then it's, it's over already. But I needed that level of madness to ease me into like the, the next yeah. level of insanity. Yeah. Uh, I do like the little satirical message he was going to write on the cook's uh, door. Was it, too much potatoes, not enough meat. <laughs> yeah, but you've forgotten the best bit. Good so one, Thumbling. It's, too many potatoes, too little meat. Farewell, Mr. Potato King. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Uh, farewell, Mr. Potato King is now my favourite character. <laughs> and do you know what the best thing about that is? That that line was not in the original version of this story, in the first version. So the Grimms added that somewhere. The Grimms added that later because Jacob and Wilhelm, the Grimm brothers, overheard a maid saying that line in a completely different context. In real life, they heard a maid saying that line and they liked it so much that they put it in this story. And apparently Jacob wasn't very happy that uh, Farewell Mr. Potato King was shoehorned into Thumbling as Journeyman. But Wilhelm basically got his way. He's like, I want to put that in there. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> so if you remember in our last special episode, I said that Wilhelm was the more liberal with the stories mm-hmm. and edited them a yeah. lot. 
this is a perfect example of yeah. that. So he's like, they overheard a, a, a real life maid say two little potatoes, not enough meat, farewell, <laughs> Mr. Potato King. And they put it in one of their stories. That's so the mad. words of that maid have lived on yeah. down through this story. Isn't that mad? That is crazy. <laughs> Sticking with Wilhelm Grimm, uh, in an introduction, I think to the second edition of the fairy tales, Wilhelm Grimm wrote in the introduction about Thumbling, he said, the determining factor with him is his cleverness. He is completely cunning and deft so that he can get himself out of any dilemma. He makes a monkey out of everyone and likes to tease people in a good-natured way. This is Wilhelm describing Thumbling to him. Yeah. So the determining factor is his cleverness mm -hmm. and his cunning and deftness. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because, as we've discovered, the, the, the typical fairy tale hero uh, uses wits and cunning yeah. rather than strength to win yeah. the day. Yeah, brains have a brawn. Yeah. So for me, Thumbling as a hero makes perfect sense because he... He literally, the, the fact that he's as big as a thumb highlights his lack of strength. Yeah. He, he doesn't have any strength yeah. at all. And then they cranked up the sort of the cunning and the deftness yeah. to the point where he's just breezing through life. Except. So he's a, he's a perfect sort of fairy tale hero in that respect. No, I, I can see that. Yeah. Although some parts of the story, that's definitely true. Him avoiding the, yeah. uh, the sentries and stuff. Like mm -hmm. that's him using his cunning. But. A lot of it's down to luck. Like, it wasn't his cunning that um, stopped him being chopped up when the cow was butchered. Uh, was yeah. it? Uh, well, it was his adroitness. Was <laughs> so it, though? He's jumping around. Yeah, because he, 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 it said like he was so clever in his jumping, basically, that he managed to avoid it. He's like a bit No, of a he avoided hero. the knives. Yes. But when they butchered up, they killed the cow yeah. and cut it up, and he just happened to be among the sausage meat. Oh, it was lucky, yeah, because he could have just been amongst the bacon. The first, meat. the first, yeah, the bacon. Wait, yeah, hang on, you, you don't make sausages from a cow. <gasps> did you only just realise that? There's a massive plot hole in this story. Did you not notice that? No, I, I noticed didn't think that about straight that. away. In fact, if you you go back, <laughs> you'll hear me say beef sausages. That's weird. So you get cow sausages and like cow black pudding, cow bacon. Yeah. What's going on? Wow. So that yeah. Anyway, so it just gets madder. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Taylors. Taylors came up last time yeah. in the wishing table. I'll let you say it. The where, where did Taylors come up? The wishing table. The gold heirs. And the cuddle in the sack. The father was a tailor there. The father's a tailor here. He's referred to as little tailor. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it made the cut last time. But we said, you know, why is being a tailor so bad? Because the father yeah. was tormenting himself with the needle. But I've since discovered that tailors were particularly hard hit by the industrial revolution. Right. Because, of course, with the, um, the arrival of machines that could make textiles for ah, you. of course, yeah. Being a tailor, especially around that time, was... was no longer needed. Exactly. So you were... So you'd be out of work, wandering along, and you might end up sewing up a bean that you find. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he was an out-of-work tailor. Exactly. They had to make that exactly, point. Exactly, yeah. And actually, apparently, if we have any German listeners, please could you confirm this? There are German idioms which play on this. So you say, in Germany, you'd say freezing like a tailor to mean that you're cold. Oh, okay. And you'd also say eating like a tailor, which means you don't eat very much. Oh. That's how sort of deep-seated this wow, idea this of idea a poor tailor. Ta oh, wow. Whereas now, you know, a tailor, it's quite oh, a... So the other, it's the opposite in a yeah, society. Yeah, exactly. It's a highly skilled sort of craft, artistic craft yeah. that you would quite like to be a tailor. Yeah. But actually, you've got to change your sort of mindset. Being a tailor was a very poor position to be That's in. fascinating. So, you know, as you mentioned uh, in the first Thumbling, the father was a woodcutter, which yeah. was very much, it's clearly a, a very 
lower class job. And yeah. a tailor is perhaps not so obvious, but it is. It would be considered a very lowly profession. I missed Thumbling. Oh, yeah. He's such a... Out of all the stories, he's such a strong character. <laughs> he, lo- he looms uh, larger than life, dare I say. Oh, you dare. I dare. If you dare, you Who dare. Who dares wins. <laughs> kind no, of. not really. <laughs> well, no, I agree. I mean, the we weren't perhaps that taken by him at the time. No. But I've, I've been missing him ever since, and I've been looking forward oh. to getting reacquainted with Thumbling. And we've been super excited to hear it. So I was very happy to spend some time with Thumbling again. It's great. He, he didn't disappoint. Did he not? Okay, mm. I was worried that you just short-circuited and were just... No, I mean, I it was a lot this. to process because it was a little <laughs> bit nuts. Um, putting it mildly. He's the size of a thumb, but he floats on steam and he can fit <laughs> under a thimble. It just doesn't add up. Don't, don't try and add it up. <laughs> Just just completely bonkers. And no... So he is that sort of classic fairy tale hero. But there's no classic fairy tale arc. There's no, like, overcoming a challenge to become a king. Or, or whatever. Or get married. No. It's just zipping around the world. Causing, to, causing mayhem and no mischief. To no end, really. And he just, just comes home just, on a fox. Yeah. And his father loses his chickens, but he gets a cruiser. And his son back. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just not that bit. Um... Yeah, it's like just look at holding the coin, looking at it like... And just flick something off it. I'm back. And he's like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Dad only treads on him by accident. <laughs> Steps backwards. Look at this coin, dear. Uh, have you- Darling, have you seen the coin? What was that you just stepped on? I was just a weird spider. <laughs> Can we dive in a little deeper to this story, Adam? Please do. So where on earth did this come from? The Brothers Grimm state that... Thumbling as Journeyman is from stories current in the districts of Maine, Hess, and Paderborn, which reciprocally complete each other. A couple of different stories, mm-hmm. they patch them together. Interestingly, Adam, Thumbling as Journeyman appeared in the very first edition in 1812, the very first version of their fairy tales. But Thumbling, which we read like mm. a year ago, was only added in the second edition. Mm. In my head, this was like a sequel to Thumbling. Yeah. It's not. This one came first. What? So uh, if that actually made me quite happy because I felt like Thumbling was like the first sort of sleeper hit movie. Mm-hmm. And then the studio were like, this is a massive hit. We're going to throw a massive budget at you. And they made this gonna outlandish be sequel. Cows. <laughs> not just eaten by a cow. Let's have me by a fox. Let's ramp it up. Uh, yeah. What else was there? <laughs> Floating in steam. Black pudding. Black pudding. Jumping around the meat. Yeah. Very maids mowing scene. the grass. Jumping out the window on the coin. Yeah. There's a king involved. They just raised the stakes. Yeah. So I felt like they just thrown money to make a sequel. Yeah. Uh, however, this is actually the first one. And Thumbling came later. So that, that makes me like this story even more. I mean, they're not sequential, but... No. Because uh, trying to think of it like that breaks my brain even more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In a way, they're kind, of, they're kind of two different versions of the same story. Yeah, basically, basically yeah. And that story is in 80U type mm-hmm. 700 Tom Thumb, mm-hmm. which is what Thumbling is categorised under the 80U type categorization system. If you don't know what on earth that means, listen to our second Extra Grim episode on the 
categorization of folktales. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Top tip. This category is absolutely jam-packed with tales. Of course. It would seem that the idea of a little man hero is fuel to the human imagination. But it gets even more specific. So it's not just that there are loads of stories around the world of fumbling archetype little man heroes. It's that often in these stories, uh, he joins a band of robbers. Mm-hmm. He rides in a horse's ear, if you remember yep, from the, remember first, the one. first one. Yep. And he's often compared to a thumb. So in the story, Muzul-er, which is probably how you pronounce that, <laughs> that story literally chan- translates from, uh, I think, uh, Mandarin or a certain chi- Chinese dialect as mm-hmm. thumb child. So even in China, wow, it's related to a thumb. But likewise, he's often compared to a chickpea or a sparrow or a nut. But he can be compared all different to lots sizes. of things. All, exactly, all different sizes. <laughs> I've never seen the, the chick, a chickpea the size of a sparrow. <laughs> no, that's... Well, yeah, I mean, you can check. Yeah. It's basically that he's small, yeah. basically. But often he's compared to a thumb. So incredibly, from Somalia to Siberia, wow. you can find thumbling. He gets around. Stories with tiny heroes often compared to a thumb and often swallowed by an animal and later cut out can be found across the entire world. Just a few places with thumbling-type story arcs or a thumbling character are Thumbelina, Denmark. Obviously, Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah. But he, uh, Hans Christian Andersen wrote that story himself, whereas a, a more traditional folktale from Denmark, I think, is called Sven de Tumling. Thumbikin from Norway. Peter Thumbling from Finland. Peter Thumbling, yeah. Tom Thumb from the UK. That's better. Cecchino from Italy. Oh, nice. Le Petit Pousset from France. Oh, Le Petit Pousset, I remember. Le Petit Come across Pousset. that before. Uh-huh. I think we even talked about that in Hansel and Gretel, but it didn't make the episode. <laughs> in Spain, there are masses and masses of these stories. And in the north of Spain, the name of the character is often related to a thumb. So stories from north of Spain, mm-hmm. he's related to a thumb. But in the south, he tends to be related more to plants. I think in particular, garlic. So that's quite interesting. The size of a garlic clove. Exactly. Yeah, he's the size of a garlic, which is similar. Probably a bit smaller than your thumb. I would say so, yeah. It depends on the human and the the garlic. (laughs) Further afield, we've got Little One Inch from Japan, (laughs) a.k.a. the Inch High Samurai. (laughs) A.k.a. Who who decided that? The Inch Inch High Samurai. Samurai. That's like that sounds like some sort of cartoon series from the nineties. I love that name, Inchai Samurai. <laughs> Inchai Samurai. <laughs> I'm gonna get that email account. <laughs> Digit the midget, Ethiopia. <laughs> no, no, now, yep. now, yep. who translated that? Decided it was Digit the midget. Digit the midget. Hassan, the heroic mouse child from, from Turkey. <laughs> I like that. There are loads of them in Turkey as well, I think. And Little Finger of the Watermelon Patch from Vietnam. (laughs) (laughs) Little Finger of the Watermelon Patch. Yeah, from Vietnam. Don't you know that one? That's a Google Translate one, that one. (laughs) And many, many, many more countries have these stories. Now, I'd like to quickly talk to you, Adam, about Little One Inch and Tom Thumb, if I may. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'll try not to get too tangled and waffly. But uh, doing the research for this podcast is often like a treasure hunt. It's mm. not like following a linear path through sure. history. You can kind of pick and choose where you go. And uh, this is the avenue I've gone down. You decided to go down the little one inch. <laughs> the little one inch avenue. So the thumbling tail type, so basically ATU type 700, started to emerge in the 18th century. But before then, you had two prototype thumbling stories 
which are Tom Thumb from the UK. Oh, wow. And Little One Inch, a.k.a. the Inch High Samurai, from Japan. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Brits and the Japanese. So basically, the, the, as in thumbling, thumbling as we know it, with a guy with the parents, then he goes, joins a band of robbers mm-hmm. and gets eaten by a cow and then goes home to his parents. That's the typical ATU type 700, mm-hmm. and that's started to appear in the 18th century. But before them, there was Tom Thumb and Little One Inch. So Tom Thumb appeared in the storybook, The History of Tom Thumb, in 1621, which we talked about on our last Thumbling episode. We did. It was a 40-page long pocket book about the crazy life of Tom Thumb, where he just constantly gets eaten by like a giant, and then he, and loads of other stuff, and he goes riding in a, a walnut, I think. And oh he, yeah, he ends up on the in being served up for like yeah. uh, King Arthur's yes. round table. Yeah, in a fish, he appears yeah. out of a fish. Yeah, ta da! <laughs> uh, so that story appeared in 1621, so in the 17th century. Little One Inch in Japanese is called Isunboshi. Okay, oh, so we're going to call Isunboshi. it Isunboshi. Yeah. In this story, uh, parents pray for a kid, and they get Little One Inch. Uh, he heads off to the capital with a needle for a sword. Okay. He rides in a river in a bowl uh, with a chopstick as a paddle. It's quite Aww, cool. Oh, that's sweet. He battles a giant ogre, gets eaten by the ogre, like stabs his stomach inside with the needle. Gets, oh, wow. Gets out, kills him. And he eventually rescues and marries a princess. And through some crazy magical stuff with like a hammer, I don't remember, he gets returned to full size. Oh, wow. So, he, but, so he before that, he... So a princess fell in love with a tiny little thing. Yeah, yeah. It's quite sweet. I guess love conquers all. Exactly. I mean, what a rom-com that would have made. <laughs> I can, yeah, I can only imagine. <laughs> it's unknown when Isun Boshi was first written down exactly, but it's thought to be around the 15th or 16th centuries, making it basically around the same time as Tom Thumb okay. in the UK. Yeah. On two islands in the far extremities of Eurasia, you've got Tom Thumb in the UK, and the Inchai Samurai appearing in Japan, mm. both appearing before that archetypal thumbling story, which is a bit of an enigma. So it's yeah. really odd. How is, how is this possible? Yeah. So perhaps people do just innately respond to universal human motifs. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's an ancestor somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I don't know, Turkmenistan, <laughs> which died out. Uh, Uh, All the other stories died out and they just survived in uh, the UK and Japan. Mm -hmm. Or I like to think that there was a sailor from one of the countries, either a samurai in a Welsh village or a cockney in Tokyo, who by some (laughs) miracle of probability kick-started this whole global thumbling mania. So I'll leave it up to you. Interesting. What do you reckon? So isn't that incredible that there's... As you heard, Tom Thumb and uh, the Inch High Samurai are very, very similar stories. Yeah. But they both appeared way before Thumbling, one in Japan mm-hmm. and one in the UK. Isn't that mad? It is crazy. Yeah. Uh, and thus, we reached the end of my rabbit hole I f- fell into headfirst. I first. can see the sunlight. Woo. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's my answer. <laughs> I wanted to give credit uh, where credit's due. Um, so the majority of the information uh, for this episode came from a website I stumbled across uh, called writinginthemargins.com. 
Weebly.com. Dot what now? Writing in the margins. Dot Weebly.com. Hmm. Dot Weebly. How are you spelling that? W E E B L Y. Weebly. Okay. Uh, they have a thing called the Thumbling Project, which is a collection of different versions of Tom Thumb and the ATU type 700 stories from around the world. Mm hmm. It's incredible. They just basically—it's a project where they just get as much information as they possibly can yeah. about all the different types of thumblings. So it was all, just all the it, Tom Thumb, Thumbelina, all the different thumblings. Everything. Like <laughs> it's a treasure trove of thumbling. Oh, and lovely! If you want more thumbling, if this isn't enough, because I'm not sure we'll meet thumbling again. <laughs> oh, sad times. Head to writingmargins.weebly.com. It's a really cool website, and they have other stuff as well. They have other projects from other fairy tales and folk tales, and lots on thumbling. Oh, lovely. Check that out. Humans love little thumb heroes. Of course. There you go. That's what we can take away from that. Everyone loves a thumb hero. Speaking of which, do you like a thumb hero? Are we talking scores? Let's do it. Well, hmm. Do you remember what you gave Thumbling? No. Please tell me. You gave it 4.5. Wow. (laughs) Do you know what? This wasn't going to be as high as some of the last ones I've done. Okay. But I prefer it to Thumbling. Okay. So, yeah. I think my initial gut reaction is... Six, okay. It's fairly respectable. It's nuts. And kind of really entertaining. Six, okay. I think 4.5, I gave it a four. Back then, back in the, the, the early days, <laughs> we, were, we were harsh. We were. I think because we were scared of giving high scores. Yeah. But I think at some point that stopped and... Four sounds really harsh. It does, now. doesn't it? <laughs> like I felt harsh giving it a six, but that's yeah. good. That's above five. Exactly. I think now we yeah we we sort of consistently give quite high scores. Yeah, actually, I need to recalibrate. But they're all good, really. Yeah. The, the stories. Um, I really liked it. I think it was a better version of uh, Thumbling. I missed Thumbling, so we gave him really low scores. But actually, he has loomed large he has. since that time. Yeah. I really like that. I really, really like oh, that. Oh, wow. I was... Uh, Blown away. <laughs> up the chimney. <laughs> I'm going to give it an eight. <gasps> That's high. It's also kind of to make up... This is like saying sorry Six? for fumbling, giving him, I think, uh, a four that's, that's or 4.5. Nice. I've got, I got a new Tom Thumb fact for you. Do you remember the, the best Tom Thumb fact of all time? That Matt suggested... <laughs> That Tom Thumb, a tiny thumb human, was potentially a real person. And why is he potentially real, Adam? Because you think you found his grave. <laughs> Somewhere in Lincolnshire, is it? I'm not going to take the credit for it. Yep. Yeah. wow, Adam has quite a memory on him. Yeah, it's in Tattersall, Lincolnshire, in a church. There's a grave. 106 years, isn't 106, it? <laughs> uh, yeah, 106-year-old yeah. uh, thumb human. Yeah, that seems real. It says, like, died 1623 or something, and it, and it gives his, his height as well in oh. inches. Uh, and you can go there. I still want to go there one day, Adam. We're going to do that. We're going to have a holiday. We're going to take annual leave. Go to Lincolnshire. That's my number one all-time favourite yeah. Tom Thumb fact. And it always will be. Don't worry. I've yeah. now got a second favourite Tom Thumb fact. Go on. Go on. In 1830, the first ever American-built steam locomotive was named Tom Thumb. What? The first ever American train was called Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb. Thumb. Why would they call a train Tom Thumb? It's not very American, is it? They like no. to like like Goliath. Yeah, they exactly. It, so they call it a little name. Tom Thumb. Wait, let me show you this train because it's Thomas it's the Tank Engine. Absolutely pathetic. Thomas the th- <laughs> <laughs> scathing review. So this is Matt's train reviews. This is America's first 
Steam train. <laughs> okay, it's that pathetic. is absolutely pathetic. It wasn't like part of like Manifest Destiny or something. It was like, no. it was like I think it was like a, uh, ma- like a male train in Boston or something. It was oh, just... not a female train. <laughs> hey. Oh, ba-dum-bum. Um, that's, that's worse than Stevenson's Adam. rocket. That is, oh, what a nerdy joke. That's <laughs> that a little that's bit what, of train humour for you. It's worse than Stevenson's rocket. <laughs> and Tom Thumb. It was called Tom Thumb. Can I tell you a little bit about the train? Go on. It's especially remembered as a participant in an impromptu race with a horse-drawn car, <laughs> which the horse won Excellent. after Tom Thumb suffered a mechanical failure. Of course he did. He got <laughs> swallowed by a cow. But Americans love uh, Tom Thumb as well. There's a Bob Dylan song, Tom Thumb. Oh, wow. We're not even going to go into that because we're running out of time, Adam. We have got to read out an email. We ran a competition which is over but we had so many lovely messages we're going to read them out at the end of future episodes exactly so if you did message in and your message hasn't yet been read out keep listening it will pop up that expect it and this episode we'll read a message from Jodie Swan who says firstly I would like to thank you for producing the Grim Reading podcast it is a joy to engage with these sometimes heartwarming and often odd tales from the past upon discovering this podcast I binged the first 22 episodes over a few days. Blimey. <laughs> Bold move. Perhaps the Brothers Adam Grimm... can't deal with one paragraph No, exactly. One. I don't know how you managed that. I hope you're okay. Perhaps the Brothers Grimm have a cautionary tale about greed that is appropriate. <laughs> I'm sure they do. There are a few contenders for my favourite story. Brackets. The mouse, the bird, and the sausages amongst them. Nice. Your commentary made me lull heartily on the commute to work. Oh, that's... That's the dream for any podcaster, I think. Lol. However, my final pick is Old Sultan from episode one. Oh. Whilst all of the stories covered thus far have been enjoyable, yes. except Hands in Luck. Except Hands in Luck. She does not like Hands in Luck. Which was our first ever story. Some stories, such as Old Sultan, have a clearer moral and educational purpose. Mm. There is much to be learned from this heartwarming tale. The most significant lesson is that it is cruel and short-sighted to disregard the elderly, even when the person or canine in question does not have a tooth in their head. I think that's an excellent point. That is such a good point. Old Sultan proves his integrity and value to his master when he warns him of plans of the double-crossing wolf. Mm. Really, the loyalty of Old Sultan knows no bounds, considering that this is the same bloke who was going to murder him in cold blood only days earlier, which is a fair point. I realise that. After we finish that episode, yeah. it's clearly about looking after the decrepit or the old or the elder, people yeah. who can't fend for themselves because there's still value in them. You shouldn't just chuck people out when you're done with them. No, or exactly. they're too old to, to contribute in a The in young a way. should take care of the elder. That's so obvious. So It's a lovely message. Sorry we, we, we uh, forgot about that. Um, we dropped the ball there, but uh, Jody picks it back up. Thank yeah. you very much. Can we have our ball back, please? <laughs> <laughs> um, Give it back, Joey. <laughs> please. Uh, that she goes on to say there is also something very touching about the three-legged cat. I quite hey. agree. I love the three-legged cat <laughs> going into battle with Old Sultan, particularly when the cats and dogs are usually sworn enemies. Unexpected Sorry. animal partnerships are always delightful and teach us about appreciating those who are different to ourselves. Aww. Old Sultan is a lovely story with a strong moral message. I rate it 9 out of 10. Oh, it wow. only loses a point because I think the story should have ended with a hateful shepherd falling down a well or perhaps his flock of sheep being liberated by a 19th century animal activist. <laughs> Keep up the great work with the podcast. You know, I'm surprised given the journey we've been on that 
the old farmer didn't fall down a well and get like beaten to death uh, yeah, or something. That, I mean, at this point, it was PG, would that surprise us? No. <laughs> that's a lovely message. Oh, Thank you, Jody. That's amazing. That's Thank great. Thank you so much, Jody. Next up, what have we got? We have got The Fox and the Cat! Episode 4 of The Fox Quadrilogy. I can't wait. The final instalment. What I... is going to happen to Reynard? Uh, and how's the cat involved? <laughs> we'll find out next week. <laughs> Two cunning animals. Head to head. Oh. Who will win? <laughs> well, find out next time on Grim Reading. <laughs> <laughs> wow, yeah. See you later. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Bye. You can email us at grimreadingpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at grimreadingpod. Also on Instagram and Facebook, Grim Reading. You can find us on Podbean, podbean.com slash grimreading. And we also have a website, grimreading.wordpress.com. Keep it grim. <laughs>